umgoblue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello! Welcome to the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. And we have the happy task to talk about Michigan's 42-27 to thumping of the Ohio State Buckeyes. First time since... 2011 that Michigan has defeated the Buckeyes. Well, Clint, what'd you think about that one? It was amazing. It was uh, it was absolutely everything that um, you know we could have hoped for, dreamed. Um, you know, in all of the the toughest times in the the program's history, almost two decades that Ohio State has really owned this rivalry. Um, that that whole day, the whole environment, and, and the way that Ann Arbor really showed out, and and Michigan fans and the program really showed out, and the way that uh, those players and those coaches showed out was uh, absolutely perfect, absolutely perfect. I, it, you 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 could not you could not have a, a, a greater day as a, as a Michigan fan. I don't think, and uh, it was it was it was truly wonderful. So let's set the stage. Since the year 2000, in that season, Michigan beat Ohio State 38 to 26. In 2003, in the 100th version of the game, Michigan beat Ohio State 35 to 21. Flash forward to 2011, where they won 40 to 34, and then yesterday. So it is tough. It has been a rough, you know, hard to imagine over the last 20 or so seasons that the rivalry has been so incredibly one-sided. And I have to say, you know, we always talk about what it would take for Michigan to win. And we always hope for a great big Michigan victory, but the victory against Ohio state, the, 42 to 27, I love to keep saying it, victory was dominating in every phase. So, um, and I, I, I have to let everyone know that in a, in a cruel twist of fate, um, due to a COVID diagnosis, I was not at the game. So um, I had to, you know, my normal uh, routine is to see the game in person watch the game on television and then watch the broadcast with the uh, without the commentators to take notes. Um, I found out bright and early Saturday morning that uh, I had a positive COVID test showed up in my email sent at 4:52 a.m. So I was extremely disappointed. Um, you know I, I live a few miles from the stadium so I, I watched it. And I was very disappointed because I did have a great feeling. So, Clint, I know you were there um, taking up our place in the press box. Before we talk about what actually happened in the game, could you just talk about the experience of being there and and what it was like? Yeah, sure. On the way into town, right, um, you know, your brother Dell and I were, were discussing, you know, just – kind of remembering, um, you know, what, uh, what our first memories were, you know, cause, cause 
Dell and I both have young kids. So trying to trying to kind of pick out what uh, what we think our kids' first memories will be or are, right? The ones that stick when they're our age. So it was really nostalgic on the way in. Then we actually got into Ann Arbor, and uh, it, it, it's it's hard for me seeing so much scarlet and gray in Ann Arbor. Like I I. I I had a headache instantly, right? I kind of clench my teeth and <laughs> grind my teeth and, and don't talk much as we were kind of, uh, you know, getting to the stadium parking in the um, it, I was, I talked a lot more than I do now, now that I'm middle-aged, you know, so now I'm just kind of quiet and uh, keep my thoughts about all the garlic and gray and the folks wearing it as they're, they're not ever. And when I got up to the press box and getting set up and, and seeing the stadium and, and watching the players kind of prepare, was it was kind of a slow build of 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 confidence that it was going to be a really great game. You know, I, I I did not, you know, I picked Michigan to lose a close one, but our our preview podcast was pretty clear. We both expected Michigan to stand toe to toe with a and that this was going to be a, a, a well-played game. And, um, you know, so I was I was excited. But as I was watching the warm-ups, you know, Michigan seemed to really have an air of confidence that um, that maybe wasn't there. And Ohio State looked uncomfortable, not, not slow. You know, they, they had plenty of confidence, too. But but there were things that that just seemed a little bit to me that they were uncomfortable that that something you know that 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 seed of doubt may have been planted early in their head by by something else you know by by the whole environment or or whatever was going on they just did not seem to be uh, to be hitting on all gears in, in their warmups and then you know Michigan lost the toss they deferred. Right, and uh, Michigan gets the ball at the 25-yard line and has a great first drive, punches it into the end zone, and the the stadium is 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 absolutely electric. You know, the the loudest that I've heard it certainly uh, in the years that you and I have been been doing this together in the press box. Um, um, but just the whole the whole place just just booming to where you feel it way down in in your chest in in your heart. And uh, and then Ohio State again, right then at that moment, they they try to fair catch the kickoff and don't catch it, right? You, you have to catch a fair catch on the kickoff. That's the rule. So they let it drop and they get it. And okay, now you got it right there at the four yard line. And then they mishandled the first snap, right? Like they were not ready to play that game for whatever reason. And uh, it was. From that moment forward, through the whole game, it was just a slow build and, and reached uh, like just just such a great crescendo through the day. <laughs> you know, the snow was like a very poetic touch. You know, to everything with with you know what this game means to to the state of Michigan, to the state of Ohio, to the Midwest, to the Big Ten. It was just all of it, all of the pageantry, all of the everything was there, and. Uh, it was it was truly a joy just to be 
to be in the building and to see things go absolutely perfectly for our team and uh and to just just walk out on cloud nine after uh, after writing the recap was uh was one of the best feelings as a michigan fan for me individually and personally um i think that's that's probably as good as it gets so i wasn't there which greatly pains me um you know we had been talking throughout the week and I had a really good feeling about the game. And in a weird way, um, so just, you know, kind of relate some personal, you know, details. Um, we had a COVID outbreak in my family. There was an exposure. Um, I took an instant test Friday and went to the, you know, went to the clinic. They gave me an instant test. They said, you're good. I thought, this is great. Okay, I'm going to go. And I said, you know what? Do the lab test. So, I woke up Saturday morning, all ready to go to the game, and in my email was the lab test that said that I was positive for COVID. Um, and in a weird way, I said, you know what, this means Michigan's really going to win and I'm going to miss out. Um, you know, I've had the great privilege to have a to be credentialed um, for a while now. And, of course, I remember attending the game as a fan in 2003 when Michigan won the 135-21. to 21. Um, I was credentialed in 2011. That was the Brady Hoke year. And I always call that the gap victory, you know, where um, Fickle was the coach at Ohio State, the one-and-done year. Um, and I've gone down to Columbus a number of times, and I've never seen Michigan win in Columbus. And, um, you know, it's one of the great pains that I have of the 2016 game is in at down in Ohio State, they'll let the media go down in the field in the fourth quarter. So I was actually on the field when Michigan had that opportunity to go for two in regulation. And I remember standing there thinking, this is the payoff, okay? I'm going to see Michigan score a two-point conversion, take the win. The tunnel to, to leave the stadium was right behind us. This is going to be great. And then, of course, we know what happened with J.T allegedly making the uh, allegedly not being short when we know that he probably was right. So understand that in a lot of ways um, I, I had a, a strong confidence that Michigan was going to win. And this was the, the universe's way of kind of pooping on me a little bit, but I'll tell you what was amazing to see is, you know, as an alum, as I know you are, you try to tell the younger fans and relate to the fans what it's like to be at Michigan Stadium when there is a huge win and the place is rocking. And I would look at the student section the last, let's be honest, 10 years, and I would wonder how many of these fans were not really getting the full experience because we were kind of in uh, the desert just just lost right as a program and not being in our in our rightful place and you know we would talk about the rivalry and i would say the hammer and nail aren't rivals and too often over the last 20 years um, ohio state was the hammer and michigan was the nail and to see the stadium rocking to see it on television to see the snow it was amazing to show 
what Midwestern football is all about and what Michigan and Ohio State are all about. And you can be sure that the students and the fans who are at that stadium will not forget that day. And Ohio State will not forget that day. So I was disappointed, Clint. You know, it was an epic game. I wasn't there. But I am warmed by the thought that this is just the beginning. This is just getting started, okay? Ohio State is put on notice, and they're down this year. We took care of them this year. But I'm really excited to see, to travel down to the snake pit. And next, I'm greedy. I want to see Michigan do that to Ohio State in their house. And that's what I'll be looking for next year. But again, um, you know, and again, I, I'm I'm usually at the game. I hate watching the games on television. So um, I had no choice. So I was watching the run-up, and they kept showing the teams warming up. And, Clint, I'll tell you, Ohio State didn't look happy, okay? And at, at first I thought, oh, I'm, I'm just projecting. And then I went back and watched it again, and I said, yeah, this doesn't look like they're having fun, and the game hadn't even started yet. So um, definitely an interesting um, – a way for Michigan to announce itself back on the national stage. Um, you know, you and I have talked about that at some point the college football playoffs will expand, we hope. And I really hope that um, on-campus sites are part of that expansion. There is something about seeing the snow fall and just... Just, man, just the whole atmosphere, just it, it's a definite different look. So so now that we've talked about the stage, we've talked about the meta, we've talked everything floating about around the game. Um, so what were your thoughts as the first quarter unfolded? I was absolutely amazed at the the offensive game plan and how sharp Michigan looked offensively. I mean, the, the first drive what went perfectly as scripted finishes with a touchdown, as I kind of alluded to, had to get off to a good start. Um, you know, we saw what happens if Ohio state gets out to a lead and can take you out of your, your offensive game plan. And, and that's kind of what happened to the Spartans. You know, they, they weren't, they weren't able to get their running game going because they were playing from behind Michigan gets out to a good start and, and it's a totally different scenario, right? So then they pin themselves deep, they punt, we start with the ball on the second, you know, on the second drive in Ohio State territory. Um almost a scoring opportunity already. I, I, I can't remember if it, they started at the forty one of Ohio State or the thirty nine, but almost right at the forty yard line. And they start moving the ball right back down into the red area again. And, uh, you know, and then Cade makes a, a poor decision, probably, you know, probably the poorest decision we've seen him make, um, at least recently in the second half of the season, but maybe the whole season, right? Just uh, his pre-snap read was wrong. You know, what he thought he was going to get, he did not get. And he threw into a window that was closed. And, uh, you know, free safety picks it off. And there was a little bit of, oh, boy, you know, is – 
here comes the wave, right? You, you have to, it felt a little bit like when Shea Patterson in 2019 dropped the shotgun snap um, in the north end zone, right? That, that man, you can't flinch. If you get down here, you got to take the points. You got to get, you got to get on the board when you get your opportunities because you know Ohio State's going to come with, uh, with an avalanche at some point. So it was, um, it was nerve wracking, certainly, and you could feel some anxiety um, uh, among the Michigan contingent and uh, the Ohio State contingent. You know, certainly uh, is a little bit more vocal with their with their support in the press box. You know, some of the Ohio State media are a little bit uh, you know more clear about what they uh, you know about what their uh, their partisanship, which is you know which is. You know, they're not my rules for the press box. You know, it doesn't doesn't bother me. I know I know who I'm rooting for, and I know how hard it is for me to keep my mouth shut too. So, I'm not going to be too upset about that. But anyways, that they were certainly ready for for that to be the floodgate moment after that pick from McNamara, and for the the defense to come out um, and, and have a, a solid drive right where. Ohio State moves the ball into scoring position, and then they hold them to a field goal. Now the defense had stopped that offensive unit two times, right? It was it was not seven drives, seven touchdowns, 49 nothing at halftime like what happened in Michigan State. It was not 56 straight points like what Justin Fields had done in 2019, right? It was you made them punt, you held them to a field goal, you still have the lead. You're getting the ball again. And Michigan's offense had been going through them like a hot knife through butter, right? Minus one bad interception. So there was a little bit of anxiety, but, you know, Michigan hadn't flinched at that moment. And then, really, it stayed kind of 7-3 to three and and felt like a pretty normal Big Ten game there for, for a little while. And I think that's when... The, that's what I mean, that the confidence started to grow there through the end of the first quarter and into the second quarter. Ohio State ran 21 plays in the second quarter, and Michigan ran 18, right? It was it did have a little bit of back and forth, and, and, and guys were making plays, but nobody could really get their, their footing, and then it ends up, you know, 14-13 at halftime. And... Uh, Man, I, it's crazy. Michigan just felt so much better about 14-13, right? Michigan had only scored twice. Ohio State had scored three times. But, man, Michigan felt like they had done something, right? And, and the whole stadium felt like we just held them to 13 points. We can we can win this game. Like, like Faith turned to belief at halftime, I think, when everybody looked at the scoreboard. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. You know this. It, the, the proof of concept was over. It was hey, you know this is real. This could happen if Michigan keeps playing well. This could happen, and and I think even the naysayers started to get uh, get a little bit of enthusiasm bubbling right at that moment. So, the turning point for me was when Ohio State decided to kick that last field goal before the half, and. I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, okay, wait a second. You know, you and I are a big proponent of going for it on fourth down. We've talked about it a lot, okay? I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm Ryan Day, and last year 
I was talking about how I was going to hang 100 on you, right? Mm. And, yes, I'm getting the ball in the second half. So I'm thinking, what do you have to lose, right? Go for it on fourth down, pin Michigan back, and, you know, if if you somehow convert the fourth down or get the touchdown, you know, you, you stick the dagger in, right, and, and you're ahead after Michigan had dominated the half. And you're getting the ball, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you just kicked the field goal to get within a point? And I just, I kind of felt like that that was a little bit of turtling, right? Like, wow, who's playing it safe now? And, you know, there's been a lot of criticism. You know, we've kind of uh, wrung our hands about the times where Michigan would be in the red zone this season and kick the field goal rather than the touchdown, right? And, you know, we talked about that when Michigan played Michigan State. You know, they they traded touchdowns for field goals, and, you know, that, that doesn't work out for you. So, for me, watching, having watched these teams all year, okay, and knowing the history that Michigan had had where they had struggled sometimes in the red zone, I thought that was a major concession, okay, for Michigan to go in to the half up by a point. It's only a point. But remember, they weren't even supposed to be in this game, okay? And especially um, when you saw how efficient Ohio State was the previous week versus Michigan State. I mean, I don't think this is what Ohio State thought. Okay, this was not the script, right? And, you know, you talked about that pass that Cade, um, you know, the interception that he threw. It felt like everything was surging for Michigan, and then Ohio State kind of flipped it back, right? And then Michigan got right back up, and the roll continued. So, so again, at halftime, Michigan has the lead, 14-13. to 13. The snow is falling, the wind is blowing, and the, the stadium, by the way, looked amazing on television and the broadcast. The fans looked amazing. Um... I know there are a number of recruits on site. I cannot imagine stepping away from that and not being impressed. So how did you feel as the game headed into the second half, Clint? Well, I put on to, to Twitter, I think the most important thing you know, at halftime was, listen, take that one-point lead, put it in your pocket, right? Everybody says 0-0, zero, zero, win the second half, right? A lot of cliches there, and that's, that's exactly right put that one point in your pocket, but not just the second half, the third quarter, right? Our whole week when we were talking about the previous versions of the Ohio State game, they got lopsided in the third quarter, right? The game, there was a clear advantage for Ohio State, but Michigan was in it all the way up to halftime. And then that's what made it feel so demoralizing is that, okay, they were winning and playing better, but then they make better adjustments and absolutely eviscerate Michigan in the third quarter, and it's not even fun to watch the fourth quarter, right? So this this is where they need to make a statement and at least keep it close into the fourth quarter, drag Ohio State into the mud and try to win a close game, right? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I that's, that's kind of the whole narrative that I had going the entire week, you know, with with you guys in our in our group conversation and. 
with other people that are listening to me. It's like, yeah, just make it an ugly game and 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 win a one score game in the fourth quarter. That's what we're looking for. So to do that, you got to keep it close in the third, and and we're kicking off to them right after they had deferred uh, after winning the toss. So they take um, the opening kick in the second half, and everybody's kind of just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? <laughs> People, this scalded dog of um, you know Michigan fan base, and there's they stop them immediately. Like I, I gotta go check the that drive chart, but yeah, it's it's a three and out, right? There's a five yard run, a three yard run, and then a huge two yard loss on third and two. A huge two yard loss on third and two. A gigantic play. I believe that's a play that uh, Mozzie Smith takes on a double team. Josh Ross comes through unblocked in the a gap, makes it perfect tackle on on Travion Henderson and they force him to punt you know and what I said at that moment was you know that's the play that Josh Ross is going to remember for the rest of his life he's going to be telling his grandkids about that play on third and two when he stuffed uh, Ohio State to make them go three and out because then you know okay they punt to Michigan and Michigan gets the ball at the 19 right and uh, you're like okay you know we got something here we could go up you know, go up four if you can get into the field goal range, or you know, you can go up eight if uh, you know if, if if you made some good adjustments. Clearly, the defense is you know got fortune on their side. Have stopped them more times than they've scored here. Okay, and Blake Corum comes out right, and the crowd notices that right. It's not announced. The announcer doesn't say Blake Corum's on the field, right? They don't say anything in the press box. Blake Corum takes the field. But he comes out with the offense on that first series, and there's a roar in the crowd, right? It's like, man, everybody is way more engaged than a normal third quarter big house crowd, right? And uh, and now you get the Zoom package, you know, the, the Zoom part of our boom and Zoom combo is back. And they give him the ball, 13 yards around the end, <laughs> after they were kind of gearing up and, and, and bringing, bringing their uh, – you know, the sledgehammers on defense to try to stop Haskins. All of a sudden, uh, Corum's around the end, 13 yards, first down, out to the 32. And then they go left. Corum makes a cutback, and he's up. He's he's back across the middle of the field for 55 yards. The place goes nuts, right? If he's at full health, he probably takes it to the house, and the, the walls fall down. But he goes 55 yards into the red zone, and uh, the very next play – is the Statue of Liberty to A.J. Henning, right? I, or no, I'm sorry, uh, Haskins scored around the right side, it, escorted by two tight ends into the end zone. Henning scored the first touchdown. So, um, Three plays, 81 yards, three plays. You held them three and out. You punched them right back in the mouth to go up eight, and uh, that's it. It's over. It's over at that moment because – it's clear Ohio State cannot stop Michigan. What we were afraid of on Michigan's defense, not being able to stop Ohio State, and that all of our hiccups would become um, magnified, it was clear at that moment when Haskins scored around the right end. Ohio State, they were done. They wanted no more to do with, with what was going on on defense. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. 
Michigan, um, everybody feels and remembers the success that Michigan had, right, in the second half. How many plays did Michigan run to score 28 plays? They, they ran 24 plays. 24 plays in the second half. 100% success rate in the third quarter when they needed it most. It was over. Put them on ice right there. That was it. So what was interesting to me, you know, I always like to watch the offensive line play. And Michigan's offensive line was throwing them around. Coach Moore has done a tremendous job coaching that group. Um, I, I told Coach I got a, I got a great text from, from John Madden. And John Madden said that uh, you know, this is as good as an offensive line as uh, performance as he's seen in a football game. And I texted that to Sharon and said, keep that on your phone forever. And it's not that you never see that. You will see that in the non-conference games. You will see um, the talent just be superior, right? But understand that in this case, talent-wise, star-wise, this isn't even match, right? But Michigan just completely dominated the line of scrimmage. And I think um, you you were talking about the importance of that drive. And... uh, I kind of just visualize it like this. Um, you know, Michigan comes up to the line and says, we're running it, here we come, right? And mm-hmm. it, it it wasn't that blatant, but I remember thinking, oh, my God, they're running it down their throat, and there's nothing they can do. And, and, and you know, you know, Clint, you know, you've coached at, at various levels and you've played at various levels. There is nothing more disheartening than an offense lining up and you not being able to stop them. Them knowing what they're going to do, they're going to run it somewhere and you just can't. And and I think the, the really exciting thing for me was you're watching the Michigan offense in the second half and, hey, we're going to run it. Oh, here's a Statue of Liberty. Oh, we're going to run it. Here's a flea flicker. And it was just enough. Whenever Ohio State thought they knew it was going to happen, they couldn't stop it. And then Michigan would throw a wrinkle at them. And it's interesting because, you know, there were so many narratives. And when I say narratives, I mean media narratives that were destroyed in this game. Okay. We've been hearing all year, well, if Jim Harbaugh thinks he's going to win a Big Ten title and beat Ohio State running the ball, he's going to have to. He's got another, he has another thought coming. Well, guess what Michigan did, okay? Um, You know, another narrative that's been floating out there. Well, there's no way that Cade McNamara can beat Ohio State. They're going to have to, they're going to have to switch it up. And listen, there's, this is nothing against JJ, okay? JJ McCarthy um, fulfilled an important role. But make no mistake, Cade McNamara was the author of this victory, okay? Okay. whether he was handing the ball off. And, you know, you want to say, well, all he did is hand the ball off. Look what happened on the other side of the ball, right? How many times did they mishandle a snap? How many times did they jump off sides? Michigan's team was poised. They were ready. They wanted Ohio State. They got Ohio State, and they beat Ohio State. And on a, you know, in front of well over 100,000 fans, 
in front of a national television audience, one of the most viewed games of the year, Michigan put the smack down on Ohio State. And it was, it's interesting because when you look at the statistics, it's one of those games where it's such a slugfest back and forth, right? You look and you say, oh my gosh, they really, really genuinely had, they were very close in yards, okay? Michigan had 487, Ohio State had 458. The difference was Ohio State threw for 394 yards, Michigan 190. Michigan ran the ball for 297. Controlled the clock, controlled the line of scrimmage, and just literally ran it down their throat. Um, And I just, you know, for everybody who said that um, this offense didn't have the spark or didn't have the sizzle, to do what they've done, you know, scoreboard. Look what happened. And it's interesting because even as you were, as I was watching the broadcast, you know, the announcers are talking about, well, this is old school Big Ten football. Hey, you know what? This is Big Ten football. This is current day. And Michigan is putting their stamp on, this is what you're going to have to do to win. Now, listen, there's a, there's a lot of football to play this year, and we're going to have to see how everybody comes back next year. But it's interesting that, um, you know, Michigan has put a marker down. And right now, you know, they're, they're, at, the, uh, they're at the top of the pile in the East Division. And it'll be interesting to see how Ohio State comes back and how they basically reconfigure. So, Clint, you've talked about in the Michigan press box that they make an announcement. This is a working press box and no cheering allowed. And I will tell you, having gone to other press boxes at other Big Ten universities, they may make that announcement, but they uh, they don't hold to it too well. So what was the atmosphere in the second half as it became clear that Michigan had control of the game and and was in a really good position to hold on for victory. Like I said, there was, there was a, a crescendo feeling, certainly for me, you know, because I'm, I'm clearly a partisan. I, I, I am not, you know, I'm trying to act professional, certainly in that exact setting. Um, but in my mind, of course, the narrative and everything that I'm trying to put onto Twitter is clearly, you know, uh, you know, I'm cheering. You know, with with my entire heart and soul, I'm I'm, I'm cheering, and I, I definitely am one sided. Um, outwardly, in terms of what I could hear, was um, not shock, not shock, but but certainly surprise, certainly surprise, and and really, it came from the the fact that Michigan was able to keep those wide receivers for Ohio State in front of them, right? Three, you, you mentioned Stroud threw for 394 yards, right? That's a, that's a really, really great day for most quarterbacks. You know, almost 400 yards passing. They had two receivers that went over 100 yards. Um, they made some absolutely ridiculous circus catches. Uh, the, the touchdown that Wilson scored, Vincent Gray is right there in coverage. 
right? That's an NFL catch with, you know, 10 times out of 10, that's on an NFL highlight reel, what what Garrett Wilson did. The catch that Jackson Smith and Jigba made on third and 19, as Stroud's running for his life again and just chucks it into the area, begging for a penalty, right? And Jigba caught it one-handed with his back to the quarterback with DJ Turner's arm entangled in the entire thing. It's the most ridiculous catch that I have ever seen in my entire life at any level. And that's the role reversal in this game is that Ohio State was the one that needed the the circus plays and the superhuman efforts just to get to 27 points. They needed everything. They needed every weapon to be firing on all cylinders and it just wasn't enough. And I think people were like slowly realizing that in the second half in the press box. And then again, right behind me were some Ohio state media members. I'm, I'm not sure who or from what, you know, uh, outfit. Um, but they, they were pretty clearly disgusted. Like, well, it's over. You can't stop the run. It, it doesn't matter what you do here. Cause you can't stop the run. I heard that at least four or five times, you know, directly into my ear. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah, I wish I wish I had been smart enough to record it or turn it into some kind of, of ringer for myself because, you know, it was true. They were they were so disgusted. Every time something good happened, they said, it doesn't matter. We can't stop the run. It doesn't matter. We can't stop the run. So, um, that was that's what it felt like. There was There was kind of this, like, realization that wait a minute Michigan is doing to Ohio State what Ohio State usually does to Michigan making them play their absolute best and get frustrated that it's still not enough and and for I I just I I think that there's so much admiration and respect for me specifically and I hope for for other fans and and anybody else that that's listening to us certainly for the amount of work that had to happen for that to become a reality from where this team and this program were 365 days ago, um, where the, you know, what the trajectory has been in the last three to four seasons, you know, the, the disappointment with the Harbaugh era, all of that stuff, all that baggage, the amount of work that these players and this staff had to do to turn that ship, right? The amount of work every day to turn that ship. And then in this moment for this game to come up with such a tremendous game plan and to execute it to perfection that way on this day. I mean, Michigan ends this game with a 72% success rate on offense, 72%. Ohio State had a great day, like you said, 47% success rate. That would that would be one of Michigan's highest of the season. Forty-seven percent would be. Michigan had a seventy-two percent success rate on offense, and a hundred percent in the third quarter, and eighty-six percent in the fourth quarter. They absolutely were flawless, and it, it all kind of culminated on the last stop in the fourth quarter when Michigan had stopped. Um, that last fourth down heave was actually completed, I think, to Olave, but they they tackled him about six yards short. 
And that was it. That was over, right? We're going to be in victory formation after that. And all of a sudden in the press box, there's just pounding on the wall that you can hear. Just boom, 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 boom. And and some muffled yelling. And everybody, like, kind of startled, (laughs) looks around like, what the heck? And realized that that was finally Michigan's uh, coaching box was finally kind of letting the cheers out now because it was officially over, right? And then and then Gaddis and some staffers come out of the coaching box and are sprinting to the elevator because they want to try to get down to the to the locker room to see the rest of their guys. And there's, you know, just absolute joy and jubilation in their voices as they're running by. <laughs> and uh, and that was it, right? That was the exclamation point because we all kind of chuckled about it. Um I think by that moment, most of the Ohio State media had uh, exited, right? They they wanted, they had seen enough, and uh, that was it. That was the exclamation point that everybody kind of just just chuckled, and then uh, it was all everybody getting video clips of of uh, you know the stands emptying out and, and rushing the field. So it was truly, truly a, a, a wonderful experience. I um, I can't uh, I can't say how. You know how much that I missed having you there, certainly. Um, but I, I, I hope that uh, one of, of many to come, because uh, you know Harbaugh, Harbaugh says this is the beginning, and uh, there there are reasons to believe that there's there's truth there. So what was interesting for me, I'm watching, and, and again, I had taken a fair amount of grief from people throughout the week because. As we talked about in the podcast, there are people saying, oh, why do you even go? How much do you think Michigan's going to lose by? And I'm a big believer in I think Michigan can win any game, no matter where we are, um, even in some of the down years. You know, I'd always look for a path through. But I really felt in my being that it was not a difficult or an unreasonable path this week, right? And the more I spoke to people, um, as I tried to tell them, listen, this can happen, this can happen. And I remember just repeating, you know, listen, they don't need to shut them down. They need, they just need to slow them down. And I'm watching the yards from Ohio State pile up, and yet you could see how frustrated they were. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. Go ahead, take your three and four yards all the way down the field. That's great. But don't give up the 80-yard play. And you could see the frustration building. And you could see um, this is not something that Ohio State is is dealing used to dealing with. The other thing that was interesting was to see the Michigan offense actually have to quiet the crowd down at various times because things were just so crazy. And, you know, the big house gets a knock that it is it – is, not as loud as it should be. Well, you know what? On that day, it was plenty loud. Um, it, it really showed, you know, I, I have a pride in, in Michigan football, right? I have a pride in Big Ten football, Midwest football, to see it show so well and to see both teams play, you know, again, I'm glad Michigan won, but really to put out, hey, this is how we play football in the Midwest, right? And, um, you know, the SEC gets a lot of hype and, you know, speed and space and various things. 
But just an amazing day of football. Um, not only did Michigan win, but football won on that day. And again, I'm, I was, I was very disappointed to not be there. But it's the beginning. And I, I, the more I think about it, the more I really believe we're going to have more days like this ahead. Not only this season, but I think that, um, you know, we are seeing the reignition, the passion, the fire of this rivalry. And, um, you know, I talked about it earlier, in the, you know, a couple of weeks ago. You know, there are three things that I grade Michigan coaches on, Michigan head coaches. Have you beaten Ohio State? Have you won the Big Ten? Have you won a national championship? And I am so excited that Harbaugh has rung the bell on one of those for the first time in his career, and we have the other two potentially lined up. And, um, again, it was a great day to be a Michigan Wolverine, and um, I'm sure that everybody at the stadium felt the same way. Well, Almost everybody, except the Buckeyes, who had to drive home after. Yep, yep, absolutely. And I, I think the last bit for me, you know, immediately about about this game was just you just don't see somebody like Aiden Hutchinson who came back to to play another year for Michigan and. Wasn't saying, you know, I, I think I, I can work another year and improve my my draft status, right? That that wasn't the answer. It was, I really think that I, I I want. First of all, I have a competition with my dad, who was a great defensive lineman for Michigan in the early '90s, which I think is great that he's got this this uh, uh, family rivalry with his with his father that he's kind of chasing. He said. He felt like his legacy at Michigan was not complete, and we've we've had other players at Michigan that came back and said that same thing, especially guys that that weren't able to beat Ohio State in their career. That that that's something that gnaws at them, right? And for him to come back and forego, uh, you know, an NFL career where he certainly even injured last year probably would have been drafted. Uh, certainly, and probably drafted in the in the top half of the draft, and he'd be a millionaire right now, playing on Sundays. And he came back and said, "No, I want to, I want to kind of fulfill my legacy, but I want to also change the way that this team and this program, you know, 2020 didn't sit right, and there's no way that he wanted to end on that note." Aiden, I believe you said down on the field that you manifested this. And when we talked to you Tuesday, you talked about visualizing the outcome of the game. What did you visualize, and how close was this to what you pictured? Um, I mean, this was it right here. Um, visualizing, storming the field. I wanted the goalposts to go down, but I don't think they, they're down. <laughs> but, um, you know, all of that, you know, just crying, you know, just, you know, we, we did it. And, um, you know, that's something that I've been thinking about for years now. All right, uh, towards the middle right there, Brendan. Aiden, you said earlier this week that the reason you came back to Michigan was to beat Ohio State. How long have you been sort of drilling this into your teammates and emphasizing to them how important this rivalry is to you? You know, I, I told you guys um, at the Big Ten Media Day that we were emphasizing this game more. And, um, you know, everyone, everyone seemed to have a lot of questions about that in terms of how we were doing it. 
and I told you to trust me. We were doing it. And, um, you know, I mean, you go out there, you see how we played in that dominant fashion. Um, there you go. And that was echoed by Josh Ross and echoed by Cade McNamara and uh, Brad Hawkins and, and guys that leaders on this team that uh, Harbaugh referred to in his press conference after the game as the, you know, the ones, the ones are, those are the guys that without any one of those guys, if they weren't part of the mix here, this team wouldn't be where they are. Right. And that's, that's about on-field production, certainly. But more than that, it was, it was just making the decision to, you know, to pick up, all the baggage, all the heavy load, put the whole program on your shoulders and, and do the work that's necessary to turn it around. And to see somebody say that they're going to do that and then come back and actually do the work and then really soak in the payday of, of yesterday like Aiden Hutchinson and those guys did, um, it was just truly and, and deeply gratifying to see because those guys earned it. They earned every bit of, uh, of joy that, that they got in, in the celebration they had yesterday. So, Clint, there's one other question I have for you. How did your kids enjoy the game? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. They, um, first of all, we rewatched it right after breakfast this morning so that we, uh, you know, got to do all of our touchdown celebrations. Um, but uh, my daughter, my daughter's four, and she uh, she leads the victors. You know, she sings the victors. She she learned the words this season. She kind of mumbled along uh, early in the season, but now she knows all the words. Not sure she knows what they mean, but uh, she knows all the lyrics. And she's uh, she's out leading the charge when we're singing the victors. And my older two loved. Uh, they were so fired up about the Big Ten championship game that they took uh, took the little scheduled poster that we've got um, for the Big Ten games for every team that we got from uh, a friend out on the West Coast, uh, Andrew Percival, you know, at B-Dog26 on, on Twitter. He, uh, they filled out the wins and losses for every Big Ten team going back all the way to week one. All 14 teams, every win and loss compiled all the records and and relived almost the entire season this morning because they were so fired up about everything going on so um that was totally unprompted it actually was an inconvenience to me i was trying to read the newspaper but i had to look up september and october results for my kids because uh, they wanted to to write down all the records and make sure that the big 10 got it right and and they couldn't believe Iowa was in the big 10 title game so um it was uh, it was great. It was great. I, I appreciate you asking, and that's uh, I, I I really I truly hope that that Harbaugh's right that this is the beginning, because I'm I'm glad that you know my kids are just old enough now, seven and six, that this has a chance to be one of the first games that they remember. Um, I I, I told them that 30 years ago, Desmond's uh, striking a pose in the end zone in 1991 was my first memory and I was the same age as my oldest son is now seven, almost eight. So, um, I think, uh, I think it's got a chance to stick and, and what a memory for, for them and for us. And, uh, 
let's hope that uh, Michigan continues to build and, and continues to play championship football because it's uh, it's uh, it makes for a really great weekend at our house. Well, with uh, Jim Harbaugh firing some shade at Ryan Day, I'm sure that we have not heard the last of this rivalry. But what about this opponent and things that they have done in the past, things that have been said, all that has gone on in this rivalry? How much did that push you guys today in the final game? What well, did? I mean, there's uh yeah, I mean, I know the probably things you're thinking of are the same as I'm thinking of, but, I mean, let's move on with humble hearts, take the high road. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely stuff that, you know, people said that spurred us on even more. Sure. Sometimes people that are standing on third base think they hit a triple, you know, but they didn't. This was posted by MI Go Blue on our discussion forum on umgoblue.com, November 27th, 2021. The day Ohio came to bury Michigan. All wrapped in maize and blue, the words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, it was someone else inside. Oh, the Buckeyes came to bury the Wolverines, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. 22 Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the band played the victors, they laid the Buckeye straight away. Um, we will preview Iowa at our next podcast, but we had more than enough maize and blue talk about the Ohio State rivalry today. We will leave Iowa for the next podcast. So that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.